You are listening to the Women's Health Practitioner Podcast. I am Dr. Sarah Wilson, naturopathic doctor, business owner, and practice mentor. And I am on a mission to change how women access healthcare and to change the lives and businesses of the practitioners who are delivering that healthcare. On the Women's Health Practitioner podcast, we are going to dive into the latest evidence that you need to know to provide your patients with the highest standard protocols. We are also going to talk about business principles, mindset challenges, and all of the things that are holding you back from giving yourself and your patients the best possible experience. I cannot wait to dive into the behind the scenes of how I support and educate both my patients and practitioners and bring you the latest and greatest in things that you need to know to thrive and to help your patients to do the same. Sit back, relax, enjoy the listen, and I cannot wait to hear from you in the reviews and also on Instagram. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are going to talk a lot about circadian rhythms and the female HPG axis and how much subtle interventions can impact um, our physiology and impact our patients' outcomes, which I think is so cool. And it's so funny, right? Because this research article that we're going to talk about today is so sciencey and talks about so many of the very specific genes and the very specific outcomes and all of these different things. But the conclusion is the power and the conclusion is really the the big kind of piece to take away. You can get into all the nitty gritty and the little individual teeny tiny pieces should you want to. Um, But I really want to zoom out on this article today and talk a little bit about in general what it means. But before we do that, um, just wanted to let everyone know that the Holistic Practitioner Growth System Foundations course is now available for enrollment. We are in our January enrollment. This is my 12-week course that really dives into what I think you need to know in terms of the foundations of health, right? When I talk about health, it's not that complicated. There's so much simplicity in it. We just need to let it be simple. Same with business mindset. We just need to let it be more simple, right? In this profession, we get so much of our worth from making it feel really complicated. And so letting it be simple is really the key to success in so many different ways. And this is my course that talks about all of those things. It talks about mindset and business, but it also gives you those core foundational physiological evidence-based principles um, for how to explore health in a different way and how to explore disease in a different way. Um, So if you are interested in registering for the course or finding out more information, then you can find the link in the show notes. Um, We also have a very special coupon for our lovely podcast listeners, and that is available in the show notes as well. So now let's dive in to our topic today. So we have seen both male and female fertility really significantly decline in over the past generations. And 
this is the question as to why is a billion dollar question. And it's a question with a lot of subtleties. And it is a question with a lot of components to it. Because the reality is, it's not one thing. There's not one aspect that has contributed to the decline of fertility. It's all of the pressures. It's environmental mismatch, to be completely honest, right? We're in this situation where the environment that we evolved to live in is very different than the environment we do live in from every aspect. How we work, how we think, how we eat, the chemicals we're exposed to, um, the light that we are exposed to, the food that we're exposed to, the lack of absence of food, like the double negative, right? Everyone's mind just went flop there. But the essentially, like we are not living in line with our environments. We are creating our own environments. And there's a lot of power to that. And that's given us so much. Um, but it also comes at a cost when used in the wrong way. So an example of that, right, is we have evolved to have a circadian rhythm and we have evolved to be awake when it's light and to be asleep when it's dark and to eat when it's light and to sleep when it's dark. And we're in an environment right now where people are using artificial light all the time. They're getting less and less actual sun exposure and the different if, in the different spectrums of light from the great outdoors, right? We are hiding from sun completely or getting too much exposure, one or the other. Um, I find this generation, there's just a lot of hiding and a lot of lack of exposure. And so we're not getting the benefits of light. We're getting the junk light, right? We are not sleeping in actual dark environments. We are working on our computers because of the pressures of our days and lives um, way past dark right? We are on our phones all of the time. Like we are seeing physical skeletal changes in posture, in even like the way our skin sits, right? In the aging of skin, specifically because of the exposure we had to computers and light and all of these different factors. It's fascinating and terrifying all at the same time, right? And And so there's naturally um, very much this conversation within the fertility world of saying, okay, you know what, like these are the factors that we can control and this is what we do from a dietary and supplement and like sleep and stress and all of these things. And nine times out of 10, it's just getting back to our roots. But I do find that it is very helpful for our patients in micro amounts to understand the factors that they can control and to give them some evidence and from some information um, as to how and why they want to navigate those different spaces because there is so much out of control. I always joke that like the moment that you have sex without protection, it's like, what? right? You just completely surrender control and it is a very challenging period of time. And so it's also a period of time that we can really have empowered health conversations um, without scaring someone. And it is a period of time where we can recognize someone's vulnerabilities and we have 
power in helping patients make changes to those vulnerabilities. So for example, someone works shift work, they can't necessarily change that while they're trying to get pregnant, right? But we can have the power to educate them in an empowering and not overwhelming way of how they can offset some of those negative impacts and what they can be doing um, to help to support proper hormonal function, proper metabolic function um, in those different environments. So Again, this is just an opportunity not only to understand how some of these things come together, um, but also very much to empower our patients as to how to think about these things. And the circadian rhythm is something that I have researched for a long time. Um, I have an entire chapter on this in my book on weight loss resistance because of how much insulin and metabolic function and inflammatory function is hit by circadian misalignment. Um, It is really significant, but hormones are one, they play so strongly with insulin and inflammation. Um, But two, like we see how much cyclicity there is. This is why we tell patients, okay, if you're going to test prolactin or your thyroid or whatever you're going to test, you have to go on a specific day of the month at a specific time of day, right? Because there's a really deep rhythmicity to these things. And so when we lose our external cues, right? Meaning light is a really big one, um, like sleep, things like that. And our internal cues, meaning we eat at all times of day and night. We don't eat at specific times. Our body can't anticipate when we're going to be eating or snacking all the time, right? When we have those two cue structures misaligned, we are going to see changes in hormones. Like it is just inevitable. We are going to see those things. Um, And there's been a lot of really interesting research done specifically in PCOS on essentially ovulation being more infrequent, having more um, hyperandrogenism, having more insulin resistance in the face of circadian misalignment. So we do see very strong connections with overt hormonal dysfunction, right? We also know that For example, taking melatonin, right, does have research um, to reduce the hyperinsulinemia and the hyperandrogenism in PCOS. We also know that light therapy has been shown to help to support anxiety and PMS. We know that melatonin has research in egg quality. It has research in endometriosis. Um, There are some newer research that's being done on it from the perspective of, um, recurrent implantation failure and just looking at the immunological changes in the lining of the uterus. And oftentimes we want to go into this space and conclusion of saying, okay, well, melatonin is this really important antioxidant. And so we're getting the antioxidant potential in those different situations, which is not untrue, but melatonin is also re-timing our circadian rhythm. So if you have a patient who's taking it at the same time every night, then there is a retraining that we are going to see show up in our clock genes to see um, changes in what's called our period genes or PER genes, um, our CRY genes. These different genes have been shown to be modified by exogenous interventions with melatonin as well. So is it that it's an antioxidant or is it that it's regulating some of these really critical genes that are feeding forward and supporting GnRH and supporting proper timing of the release of our various hormones? 
right? And we've also seen, for example, that time-restricted feeding, right, can have positive impacts not just on body weight, right, and insulin, but also on hormonal levels and menstruation. So these things are really, really critical. Um, We have seen more hormonal dysfunction in patients with obstructive sleep apnea due to changes in their circadian rhythm from really poor sleep, right? So the, the question today essentially becomes... Are our treatments working in the way that they think we think they are, right? Is it that we are giving people these exogenous antioxidants or is it that we are retraining a circadian rhythm? And it's not to say, okay, don't use melatonin. Melatonin has a lot of really beneficial research, but where can we empower a patient to learn to work in alignment with their own cycle? right? How do we not skip over this step, right? When making recommendations to our patients. And it's also really easy to go in and I, oh my God, I was talking to a patient and she was like, yeah, someone was uh, a previous naturopathic doctor she was working with, was telling her the importance of working with her natural cycle. And was essentially saying that, yeah, you know, like light exposure at night and blue light exposure at night is really important to avoid because, you know, like hamsters and sheep and like all these things um, are in a very specific estrus cycle um, and have very specific cycles because in like spring, it's when the sun is changing and so that shows the power. And so like what she took away from that was that this person um, was saying that she was like a sheep and that... (laughs) She should be in this environment um, where she is using only candlelight after dinner and all of these different components. Um, And so didn't necessarily connect with that message, which is fair. But I think that this, again, goes to show that there is a way to educate around this and there is a way to educate and connect um, in whatever way feels good to your patient, the, the science and the outcome right? The fertility outcomes, because the fertility outcomes are really not debated hotly at this point, right? Like we know that everything we're doing is having an impact. And it's so cool now, like even the the conversations around neurofred therapy and red light therapy and how they can have the potential to penetrate the peritoneal cavity and help to support endometriosis. And like there's really cool research going on right now in the laser therapy and light therapy world. It's very new. Um, we're not ready to make any conclusions based on it yet, but it's really cool. We'll just say that. And so from that place, If you have a patient who understands that light can positively impact their acne, right? They're getting light therapy treatments. They want to come into your office for facial acupuncture um, with light therapy because they know it can reduce wrinkles, right? If you're introducing them to the concept that, okay, maybe these light therapies can help with pain and can help with these different things, but then they don't make that connection that 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 light is also massively impactful to your brain right? And has really significant impacts on hormonal dysfunction and has really significant and controllable impacts on 
every feed forward cycle in your body, you can again give them that power back, right? When I'm talking to patients who are on their computers at all hours, I'm like, okay, listen, this is yet another reason why, yes, you can use flux or efflux or whatever people call it. You can use the red light and the blue light blockers, and you can use all of these different filtering compounds. But you can also use this as a moment to take a hard look at the boundaries you have in your life and whether the life that you're living is in alignment with what you want, right? You can, if, if you have a patient who's working shift work and has cycles that are all over the map, you can have that conversation about, okay, here's what you can control and here's what you can't and here's how we can work together with using these different therapies, right? But again, also just deeply having the conversation that your what you're doing, all of these little tiny micro actions are having an impact on your fertility, right? But you are also have more control than we're led to believe, right? IVF is not your only option. There are so many different micro positions that you can take and micro moments that you can make a choice about what curtains you're using or how blacked out your room is. And like all of these, again, really powering things. And so when you give this to a patient in bite-sized pieces, when you give this to a patient in actionable items, when you can integrate why going to bed at a certain time and not eating at night and the light exposure choices they make are impacting not just their sleep, every other aspect of health, it gives those patients more and more pieces of evidence to allow them to feel more and more strongly about the decisions that they're making, right? So I, again, just want you to take little pieces from this podcast. This podcast is not intended to give you treatment protocols, right? This podcast is intended to give you little nuggets of wisdom that you can incorporate into your education of patients so that they can feel empowered by the evidence and so that they can really take on what is happening, right? When you say there is direct circadian control of follicle development, hormone homeostasis, embryo implantation and delivery, right? <laughs> Not in those exact words, those sciencey words, right? And they can then understand, wow, the light exposure has to do with my implantation, right? In a way that they would not have understood if you did not connect that for them, as opposed to just harping at them like, oh, you shouldn't be on your computer at night. Wonderful. Thank you. We all know that by now, right? But from that place, if you are able to put those little, connect those little moments and give them those, those micro aha moments, then they are going to be able to integrate this in a new way. And you are going to be able to help them get the results that they want. Because foundationally, I view my job as just giving the patients the information they need to make the changes they want to make and to get the motivation they want to have to make the changes they want to make so that they get the outcomes they want. I am just the delivery method. I'm just the connector of dots so that they can see how it all plays together, right? Because if you have a patient and they are able to connect the hormone dysfunction that they see on labs with their environment, they are again more likely to make some of these these changes that are hard to make, like they're challenging to make, right? And for them to be able to contextualize that you're not saying, okay, your light exposure 
is the direct thing that's causing you not to ovulate properly and it's the only thing and therefore you're a sheep or whatever that patient wants to take away from it when you could break it into digestible pieces that can give them the power back, they are going to feel really strongly. So again, there's so much research in conditions like PCOS. There's so much research. Um, there's research in PMS. There's research on clock genes. Um, there's some interesting research coming out on POI. And a lot of these different conditions that we kind of put into one specific camp, right? PCOS, we want to view that as, okay, a metabolic dysfunction and let's treat that. Um, POI, we want to view that as an autoimmune inflammatory response and let's treat that, right? We, The more we can kind of zoom out and see how it's all connected, the better doctors we are for our patients. So this article was, again, very lengthy, very interesting, um, but I think that you can take away the moral of the story. It's nothing that I don't think anyone on here is going to be individually super shocked about, but I hope that you can put this in context today in a slightly different way about how all of these things are connected and think twice when you're using supplements to help with sleep right? And supplements to help with antioxidants and see how can I use one supplement that's going to address more than one thing in this picture and pattern. So I hope that you took a lot from that today. I hope that you integrated this in different ways. Again, the health is not that complicated. It's just how it connects. That's really interesting. So if you want more information and support around this, Holistic Practitioner Growth System is now launching. Uh, we are starting soon. You can join anytime in January before the live call. So if you have any questions about um, the program, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram or email my team. Again, all of that information is in the show notes, but I hope you enjoy and I will talk to you guys soon. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, I would love a review because that is how more people find out about us and ultimately get well. If you are a medical practitioner and you're interested in taking one of my courses to learn how to implement these research strategies, see naturopathicmentorship.com. If you're a patient, we have a couple of options. I can try to hook you up with one of my trained practitioners, or alternatively, if you have a practitioner you love, I do offer one-on-one -on -one consults about your case to support that practitioner in learning further. For more information on these strategies, see the show notes. And finally, if you just want to keep in touch, I am always active on Instagram and Facebook, and I look forward to connecting with you there. Have a great day and be well.